statistical, so unpredictable here on the SNL Network. Yes, welcome on in everybody to the Saturday Night Network for the final season 48 podcast of Saturday Night Live. My name is John Schneider from the SNN. Very excited to be with you on this Monday night to close the book on what was an amazing season of SNL. We've had so much fun along the way, going all the way back to September of last year, breaking down the 18 episodes, unfortunately not 21, but 18 episodes of the show this season. And we've done that with some amazing panelists, so many great voices throughout the season who have come on and contributed to our shows, including one of them tonight, and that is Andrew Haynes. Haynes, how are you? I'm awesome, man. So glad to be back. You know, it was a pretty rough little breakup with the season, um, but uh, but it's just good to be back talking SNL, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, for good reason, but a little bit of a buzzkill. Right. I, mean, I was so excited for like to get all you back in May and like really break down the season the way that uh, it was meant to. But anyways, it is what it is. Uh, we've had a lot of fun. So in case you missed our postseason coverage or any of it, First up, we had our postseason roundtable. That was a lot of fun. We went through all of our favorite sketches from each aspect of the show. Then we had our postseason by the number show with Mike Murray and Bill Kenny. And that was, I mean, if you like stats, like you cannot find more interesting details about every single cast member. So make sure to check that one out. And then tonight we're doing something really special. It's honestly one of my favorite podcasts that we do all year long, and that's our patron feedback shows. So if you don't know what that is, we have a group of people who are paid subscribers to the podcast they help support us and continue to make the saturday night network as great as we could possibly be and it's all thanks to them for contributing all season long and part of the privileges of becoming a patron is you get to podcast with us yes that is right you get to come on the podcast with us and talk to us throughout the season and give your thoughts on the show so we have patrons who have signed up all night tonight to come on for the next couple of hours to call in and give their thoughts on the show we also have some questions that were sent in from the SNL community that we are going to answer tonight. So I'm looking forward to doing all of that. Haynes, I'm looking forward to having you meet some of our patrons too, many of whom listen to you on a regular basis. So, so excited. Uh, yeah, it's great. So Haynes, uh, you know, we never really got your end of season thoughts on season 48. So why don't you give it to us? What are you thinking? Well, I thought that uh, Quinta Brunson was one of the best episodes of the year. Um, that, was, that was a really fantastic episode. We had some good ones coming down the stretch. Um, I, that was probably the best. I mean, overall, I thought it was a really fun, exciting season. It obviously felt um, very fresh with some of the things they were doing early on in the year in particular. And it just it just felt like a newer SNL uh, than SNL had felt, you know, in, in quite a while with, with all the cast turnover. And I love that. You know, I, I hated seeing... Uh, so many people that we've loved for so long depart the show, but um, it's an exciting new time. Uh, pretty rough on me for our little uh, betting game uh, where <laughs> where where cast members are tallying points uh, to lose Cecily mid season, but um, it is what it is. I, you know, when she was there, she was obviously uh, um, you know paying the bills for my team. Uh, so listen, it, it was it was it was a really fun and exciting new season it just felt really fresh and um i just hate obviously you know goes without saying hate the way that it ended um but i think that it leaves the door open for some interesting possibilities uh moving into you know 
a presumable season 49. I'm assuming that the show will recover from this uh, and not be done permanently, of course. Uh, so oh, no. it, well, don't it, even speak that. I know. So, so I know. So, it, so it leaves, it leaves the door open for some fun things um, in season 49. Yeah. Well, definitely. Okay. SNL's coming back one day. I just yeah, don't know, know when, but, but they'll come back. I mean, that right now, like everything is set to come back. Uh, at the end of September, I think it's like the last day of September would probably be the premiere date that we're looking at. But of course, if the writer strike was to continue, then that would be delayed a little bit further. But Haynes, I'm so curious, you know, you've been with us since the very beginning covering 46, 47 and 48. Was this your favorite season to talk about the show as well? Gosh, I mean, maybe it, it just it just felt so fresh and new. Um, and And listen, you know, we had some great I love comedians, obviously, and we had some great, you know, comedians come on really at the beginning of the season. Um, not all of those turned out to be the best episodes, but we, it, it was, it was a, it was a fun season to talk about. I love, you know, I just love what the some of the new cast members have been doing, and I wish we got to see more of them. But that's the way the show works. We'll hopefully see more of them next year. I hope that, you know. We don't lose anyone over the summer. I feel like it's it would be weird if people jumped the ship, um, you know, having a season cut short. But um, it this might have been my favorite season to talk about. It just felt really exciting, and and from the very get go, you know, those first few episodes just felt like a, a whole new era of SNL. And so, yeah, I mean, I was pre- I'm excited every week for SNL, but this was a year that I was really excited to see, you know what what new territory are we going to go into who which new cast member are we going to get to learn a little bit more about um so yeah maybe it was so i have some fun exercises for us tonight to fill in some of the time between our patrons calling in and then also we have our questions which we will get to from all of you so thanks to everybody who filled up the form to send in those questions but i want to start with something that has always been a fun part of our patron shows which is our friend brennan keller who's one of the moderators at the subreddits or a very active part of the live from new york subreddit which is originally how i met you haynes in the first place people don't Mm -hmm. know that you know people you actually contacted me on reddit before we kicked this whole thing off and he does this uh sketch sorting sunday it's a great thread where people can talk about their favorite moments from the episode and brendan wasn't able to join us on the show tonight but he actually you know sent me the results from this season's uh you know full analysis of the best moments of each part of the season so i think it'd be fun if i quiz you a little bit on what you Mm. think some of the results are so let me start with uh what do you think the reddit fans voted as the best episode on average this season the best episode on average well, I mean, let me think about this for a second. So 18 episodes, a lot to think about, mm-hmm. but yep, which one to was the about. favorite? Uh, well, you know, on, on Reddit, I feel like we're getting the real core fans. And some really? of these, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, somewhat, um, I just think that, I think that it's, it's, well, you know, I have no idea. Maybe, 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 maybe we don't have real fans on Reddit. But um, I know that as far as popularity, I'm going to guess like Pedro Pascal was ranked really highly. Um, to me, I, I think you nailed that one. Okay, yeah. Okay, good. Okay, but well, what do you think? <laughs> what do you? What else do you think besides that? Well, I just for for me personally, I don't know how you could deny how good the Quinta Brunson episode was. But but I would think that a lot of fans would say Pedro Pascal. 
All right. Well, I mean, as you said, Haynes, the Reddit fans are the true fans of SNL. And they voted Pedro Pascal as the best episode of the season, followed by Aubrey Plaza and then Jenna Ortega. Mm-hmm. Okay. How about uh, best cold open of the season from Reddit? What do you think that was? Ooh, best cold open of the season. Oh, my gosh. Um, you're really putting me on the spot here. If you Is think someone... of it, name it, any you think of, let me know. All right, how about I give you three? Let me give you the top three. You guess. You tell me which one was the favorite, okay? Okay, all right. Does that work for you? Is that a better game? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay, all right. Miles Teller's Manning Cast, Pedro Pascal's Spy Balloon, or Anna DeArmas' Spring Day? Mm. Manning Cast. Yeah, you nailed that one. Yes, <laughs> those were actually the top three in order. Just wanted to see if you get that. But yes, Manning Cast number one, Spy Balloon, Pascal two, Spring Day, Anna de Armas three. Really interesting. So like uniquely formatted ones. So I think I Not guess Spy Balloon was was uh, somewhat, but still. Um, all right, top three monologues. Tell me which one was the number one. Uh, Pedro Pascal, Aubrey Plaza, The Martins. Oof, man. I mean, The Martins was very fun, but I am going to say Aubrey Plaza. All right, Plaza was in third, Pedro Ooh. Pascal in second, and Steve and Marty okay. in first. Well, Steve yeah, and Marty might have been my favorite. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, top. Uh, let's go here. Top four sketches from the season, live sketches. Uh, tell me which ones were the top ones from Reddit. Okay, we got Lisa from Temecula. Mm-hmm, I guess the first one. Um, Blue Christmas, Cecily's Goodbye. We got American Girl Cafe from Travis Kelsey. Mm-hmm. And then Taboo from Aubrey Plaza's episode. Gosh. I mean, Lisa from Temecula was just such a smash. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> yeah, you smashed it. All right. Lisa from Temecula was the number one. Uh, Blue Christmas, Cecily's Goodbye, number two. Taboo, I still don't get this this one, <laughs> but all right. Number three there uh, from Aubrey Plaza. I think everything was better from that episode uh, besides that sketch. But uh, then American Girl Cafe, Travis Kelsey was number four. Okay. Uh, best pre-tape of the season. Tell me, was it Waffle House, Mario Kart, State Farm, or Straight Male Friend from Travis Kelsey? Mm. Um, you know the production value was so high on Mario Kart. I wouldn't be surprised if people said that. Um, but I'm going to say straight male friend. Okay. All right, straight male friend. That is actually fourth. Waffle mm. House is third. Waffle House is one. Okay. <laughs> yeah, is third. Uh, State Farm is second, and then Mario Kart is. Oh, Mario Kart was place. one. Okay, cool. Yeah. Exactly. All right. We have update features, musical guest, and then some of the worst, which we'll go over in just a little bit. But for now, I do want to bring in our first patron of the night to get to talk to them. So, Haynes, uh, let me know if you are ready for me to bring in our first patron. I'm ready. I'm excited to see who it is. All right. Let's do it. Let me bring in our friend Ian. So, hey, Ian, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Can you hear me? I can. So nice to meet you. I've never met you before. No. Yeah. It's nice to meet you, too. It's nice to be on. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Uh, well, have you enjoyed the podcast this season, first off? Yeah, I have. I think this is actually the, I think I was introduced this season anyways, but I went back. And okay. Well, well, such a pleasure to get to talk to you. So happy to have you on. So tell me, what are your thoughts right now? How are you feeling? Season 48 is in the rearview mirror. Looking forward to 49. Any overall thoughts that you would like to share with us and our listeners? Well, uh, I really enjoyed the season. I was just giving myself a refresh, trying to catch up you know, watch them all in time, but I didn't, but I got through most of them. 
and I forgot how good it was, you know, after rewatching them all again, just in the last couple of days, I was like, oh, there's a lot of things I really enjoyed from this season. That is such dedication. So you watched all 18 <laughs> episodes over again for this podcast. Not all 18. I only got up to the Michael B. Jordan episode. Okay. So tell me, are there things from these episodes that maybe we missed and then on the second watch, now that you're going back, that you're like, oh, I forgot that this was so good. Yeah, actually, I did. I, um trying to think of which one some of that. Uh, I really enjoyed the Jets fans sketch from the Amy Schumer episode on the rewatch. That made me laugh a lot. And that was one that I was like, I don't know if I liked this on the first take. You know what's interesting about that? I think that was like a Mikey Day sketch that we, and this was before we realized that Mikey was going to be peak Mikey this season. (laughs) And I think like in retrospect, like Haynes, don't you agree? Like everything Mikey did this season is like, we're all like, it it all has a clean slate right now because he was able to hit homers all season long. All season long. It was, it was the season of Mikey in many ways. I also agree with that. What else, Ian? Uh, oh man, I, I was trying to like take notes to be prepared, but now I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so much to talk about. I loved the brutality <laughs> of that jet sketch, by the way. Like, I, just so, something about like people being that mean to each other. Like, it 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 almost makes me feel it it it, it, it at least reminds you that like we're not supposed to be that mean to each other. Like all those times that I was made fun of growing up, the brutality of that sketch kind of like being able to laugh about it relieves a little bit of that trauma. You know, I I enjoyed it. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) Yeah. When she, when she dumped JAJ, it was just so uncalled for, but so funny (laughs) at the same time. (laughs) So any other notes you have for us, Ian? um, Well, I I mean, just, it's hard. To, it was hard to go back because I still get like emotional watching Cecily's goodbye. Mm, and, okay. But I still think just even though she had such a short period on the show, she still stood out so, so much. I think just as she was only in like, what, five episodes this season or. Yeah, five, so five I think episodes? she was. Yeah, she was back for six, but she didn't really appear in the Chappelle episode. She just did the cold open that week. Mm-hmm. I think she was like um, not that down to be a part of whatever was happening that week. But were you a big Cecily fan? Like she connected with you a lot, Ian? Yeah. One of my favorites of all time. Like her uh, drunk girl you wish you didn't start a conversation with was one of my all time favorite characters. And I just, yeah, she's just great. Her and my mom, something me and my mom bond over is just like how great Cecily was and is, you know. Yeah. Well, hopefully we do get to see her back sometime soon because maybe maybe we'll, maybe not for 49, but I'm sure in 50 that we will see Cecily strong. Yeah, Again. hopefully. I mean, how long was it before they rescheduled Pete? You know? <laughs> uh, yeah, yes, that's true. Um, all right, well, why don't we continue with taking a few questions from our patrons? Because, uh, sorry, from our listeners, because the listeners sent in so many this week. So, Ian, if you don't mind, I'd love to get your thoughts on some of the questions that the listeners sent in, and we'll have Haynes answer as well. Cool with that? Absolutely. All right, so let's start with this question from our friend on Twitter. Kylie sent in this question. So you mentioned, you know, the PETA episode, Haynes, but Kylie mm-hmm. wants to know, hi, do you expect these to see the three hosts scheduled for the May shows make a return next season? Strike depending, of course, of when next season is. And who are your predictions for who will be up next for hosting? So let's take that first part of the question. Haynes, I'll start with you. Do you think we're going to get Pete and Kieran Culkin and Jennifer Coolidge sometime in 49. I I would love to have all three of them back 
speak. And I think it's pretty typical that when there is, you know, when someone's supposed to be on and then there's some sort of issue that changes that, I think we typically do get that person just a little bit further down the line. They find a way to get them back in. Um, only because it's three of them, I wonder if, you know, there could be another scheduling conflict and maybe we only get two of the three um, or, or maybe it's and then someone misses you know, the moment. Uh, so, you know, they're not having movies and TV shows coming out and, you know, next year or something. And then all of a sudden, you know, we don't ever see this person again, or we see him 10 years down the line. Um, I think Jennifer Coolidge, um, I, I would, I mean, listen, I'm excited about all of them. I'm seeing Pete Davidson's uh, stand up next week um, in Raleigh, and he's here for four nights. And there's not that much wow. to do. Not that much to do in Raleigh, so I, I'm hoping to run into him somewhere. Uh, but um, <laughs> yeah, hopefully it's not like I don't know if you saw that episode of Bob Kiss where he guys goes up to Canada and he's by himself. I only I only watched the first episode, and then I just I've had other stuff going on. I haven't got to okay. go back and watch it. Um, but uh, but I would expect that yeah, we would we would have these folks back. I mean, Succession's over now, so maybe. Kieran Culkin is the most likely to not return of those three. Um, but I would expect that we would at least get Pete and Jennifer Coolidge back. That's just my thoughts. Ian, what do you think? I I think I, I agree with that. I would like to see them all. Um, mm-hmm. Do they know how – can I actually ask a question before I answer? Because I was curious yeah, about 100%. that. How early do, like, do you know they know who's going to host? Like, Do they know that – did they know Jennifer Coolidge was going to be the finale early on in the series or is she booked later on? Um, well, it, it, you know, the truth to this question is that every situation is actually different. So when it comes to certain people that, you know, perhaps Lorne specifically or Lorne and the you know inner circle really want to host the show, there may be, a, you know, a personal ask that happens months and months in advance. I know Pete Davidson actually talked about on Fallon that he was scheduled like for months to host that specific day. But for somebody like Jennifer Coolidge, it may have been. Um, something that, you know, came together at the last minute. I know that they were talking about having Marco Robbie host the finale at some point. So because of that, it, you know, that leads me to think that they were, you know, putting feelers out to a few different people and ultimately came to the conclusion on they were able to get Jennifer Coolidge for the finale. Just a guess, my assumption is they probably knew sometime, you know, between the March and April run who was going to be hosting in May. Okay. Because I feel like they did, there was, I felt like there was teasers throughout the season because I was seeing, you know, Jennifer Coolidge's name in the sketch about her and Kieran showed up as a cameo. So I was like, are these like teasers or something? But <laughs> um, well, the answer to that, though, I think the Kieran Culkin thing is a great, I, by the way, I completely forgot about that. That Kieran Culkin was just a cameo in the season as well. Um, when we, it didn't even come up last few weeks, but I think what happens is, is when somebody gets along well with people at the show and then they're considered a friend of the show, it's much easier to bring them back a la a Kieran Culkin, who obviously left a good impression at the end after his performance. And then, uh, they brought him back for cameo and then it's like, okay, well, you know, he's on the biggest show in the world right now. Let's bring him back. Oh, that that makes sense and i think with that being said i'm hoping that we are able to see all of them if they're you know friends of the show and pete definitely is because of his relationship with lauren i'm assuming but yeah i definitely hope but i feel like pete and jennifer are also just more likely to do it even though succession was so big but we'll see um hopefully the writer's strike ends in their favor in time for that <laughs> 
Yeah. And then, I mean, the second part of this question from Kylie was, who are your predictions for future hosts? Ian, is there anybody that you really wanted to see this season or even going into next that you didn't see yet? Um, aside from the three that we were just talking about, um, hmm. well, I think uh, with the that Barbie movie coming out, I think Ryan Gosling was a great uh, host back in the day. It would be really nice to see him again. Yeah. Especially working with all the new cast. Um, For sure. Haynes, what about you? You know, I just said that Kieran Culkin might be the least likely, likely return because Succession just ended. And this person's show just ended as well. Um, but, you know, I just pray that he's got he's got some other new project lined up and there will be an excuse to have Anthony Corrigan in the next season because as Noho Hank in Barry, he was exceptional. And if you've seen the Barry finale, his performance, I won't, I won't, you know, spoil anything because it's, it's only a couple days ago, but man, Anthony Corrigan is a really, really, really talented actor. And I think he would be amazing in comedic sketches. Um, so that's someone who I would, I would just really love to see. Yeah, I mean, I thought actually thought you were going to go for Bill Hader, and I was going to say, well, to well, here's, really well, here's the thing: if we if we bring back Corrigan, you know, maybe Hader will pop in for a sketch. I mean, that would be fun. Yeah, I mean, uh, that would be really great. I feel like we're not going to get him until the fiftieth. So, um, but yeah, all good options. And look, uh, Kylie, to answer your question, I I think betting favorite right now is like Pete is like absolutely going to host in the fall there is no way like he is the prodigal son like he's coming home for sure when they get uh that happening i think jennifer coolidge is an interesting case here because we all know that like the white lotus season three is probably going to come out towards christmas so then do they pivot in a different direction or is it too confusing to have coolidge there for that one i don't know um and then kieran culkin i would say it would be fun and i think he would host again but now i i really feel like that was a succession you know, focused hosting appearance. So I'm, I'm agreeing with the panel here on that. Also want to say that uh, Victor Higgins, one of our great list- listeners, he actually sent this question in for, as Victor from Temecula Higgins, mm-hmm. uh, also asked if we think that Pete Kieran, Kieran and Jennifer will return for season 49. Um, P.S. He is still rating, waiting for uh, Paul Rudd's second chance to host again. And I'm sure uh, that'll happen as well. All right, guys, let's continue the fun game that we had where we were talking about uh, some of the Reddit, you know, picks for best parts of the season. So I want to get your opinion too, Ian, uh, as I was going through this with Haynes. But where we stopped before you jumped on with us was the best update feature from the season. And I know that you went and looked back at some of the favorite update features. So for you, Ian, what were your favorites when you went back and you saw some of them? Uh, Pretty much anything Michael Longfellow did, I loved. Um, And then definitely cecily's tammy the trucker who is there to talk about gas prices and not abortion (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) yeah that one actually hasn't been brought up that much i guess because uh she did you know something very similar in season 47 that uh we as like the people who talk about the show all the time um you know didn't uh reference that one as much but that one was really high quality as well so uh those are two very good ones that you brought up ian haynes let me give you the three the top three in no particular order i want your opinion and then ian i'm gonna ask you as well okay top three update features as voted by reddit april ludgate from the aubrey plaza episode michael longfellow from the miles teller episode and drunk uncle from the jack harlow episode 
R- remind me which which M- Michael Longfellow that was during the Miles Teller episode. So that was his first one. Yeah, like the premiere. Oh, the premiere, they get like they get to know yeah. Michael Longfellow. Yeah. 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 What do you think? Mm, well, I mean, I'm going to say that they voted for April Ludgate because Amy Poehler is just everyone. I mean, she's just such a darling. You know, it's going to swing, I think. And actually, I'm surprised that they put that Michael Longfellow ahead of some of the other ones. I I loved it, um, but I thought there were ones that were even better um, to me. Punk Satani Phil, uh, you know, might have been the best, um, but I just like dumb comedy like that. Um, I will say that they voted for April Ludgate. Ian, what do you think? Uh, I wouldn't be surprised at that one, but I was, I'm not really, I'm in, I go to the Reddit page a little bit, so I don't see, but I feel like as, I feel like some of them are diehard. So I feel like they would go with the like drunk uncle. Cause I feel like a lot of people do like Bobby Moynihan in the community. Like, I feel like he's very, um, well one of loved. Us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I just feel like that he would have been a top, like a fan favorite in there. And I loved it, especially his slip up. I mean, that was so funny. So great. And we got to ask him about that this season, which was so cool. So um, that was a lot of fun. But you are actually right, Ian. Uh, we got Drunk Uncle here as the number one voted, then April Ludgate, then Michael Longfellow's first nice. one uh, from the fans on Reddit. All right. Um, how, how about top musical guest of the season as voted by the Reddit fans? Okay. Top three in no particular order. We got Lizzo from the Austin Butler episode, Brandy Carlisle from the Martins. And then Jack White from the Woody episode. So, Ian, what do you think the Reddit fans voted for? Well, I mean, if the Reddit users are anything like me and they like powerhouse vocalists, I understand why they, Lizzo and Brandy Carlyle are, are mentioned, you know. But I think another friend of the show, as you said, Lizzo, I think she would have been like picked just because she appeared in that PDD sketch as well you know i don't know if that counts as being the performer but to make a little cameo i feel like that kind of boosts her a little bit amongst the others okay paint lizzo is so well loved like who doesn't like lizzo you know and um and she's just been on tour recently i don't know if she's still on tour but um uh i wish that i'd gotten to go to one of those shows my girlfriend did i i didn't the tickets were long sold out and she was going with all her friends i would have loved to see lizzo um she's amazing but i am gonna say that reddit picked um the same favorite musical performance of the season as me which is jack white okay the answer is actually Brandy Carlisle no! as voted by the Reddit fans who said uh, best musical performances of the season. Uh, Brandy Carlisle, then Jack White, then Lizzo. Um, yeah, yeah, this is uh, this is interesting. We also had some of the worst voted stuff as by voted by the Reddit. Um, I'll just read these out to you. I'm interested to hear you... this. This will be fun. Okay. <laughs> All right. Tell me, tell me if any of these, like, I'll go one by one. Tell me if any of these um, are weird to you that these were what was voted. Okay. Worst episode of the season. Uh, voted by the Reddit fans, Amy Schumer. What do you think of that, hmm. Ian? Is that is that the worst episode of the season? Not in my opinion. No, I really liked it. Okay, it wasn't yeah. my favorite, but I mean, I wouldn't say worst. I'd say like Woody was probably the worst one of the season. Um, maybe by like expectation to disappointment ratio. Is that fair? If you're going expectation to disappointment ratio, then then by that metric, I think it's definitely Woody. Um, yeah, I mean that was that was that was a little disappointing. Um, Jenna Ortega was not my favorite episode of the season either. We got a soft I, take. 
Maybe. I um <laughs> I I think I don't know why some people just hate Amy Schumer. Like I used to just blame like sexism or something, but I'm like, is that too reductive? Is there more to this? Should I hate Amy Schumer for some reason? But I no, don't think so. I love I love Amy Schumer. Um so I gave her gum last year. Nice. <laughs> um <laughs> I, listen, I uh I, I liked the Amy Schumer episode. I, I um and I like Amy Schumer in general, so yeah, I'm not sure why all the hate, but Yeah. Um all right, how about worst cold open of the season? <laughs> Uh, this was the Biden cold open from the Amy Schumer episode. So maybe that was just like Schumer derivative. Maybe stuff. that, maybe that weighed it down. Yeah, I think so. Um, worst monologue of the season. I think this is one's pretty obvious. Do you know what it is? Woody, Woody Harrelson. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> uh, worst sketch of the season. Uh, Lisa from Temecula two. So Lisa from Temecula one was voted the best episode of the wow. best sketch of the season. Lisa from Temecula two, the worst sketch is voted by Reddit. Isn't that wow. weird? That is weird. <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, um, it was nowhere near as good as the first, but that doesn't mean it was the worst sketch of the season. I agree. Right. Uh, I think okay. Mazepan was pretty bad. <laughs> but I know people <laughs> I, loved it. I, people loved it. I, I heard you talk about that one episode. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I had to try it just to see what it was like. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So we have our, our worst pre-tape, our worst update feature, and our worst musical guest, which we'll tell you about in just a little bit. But Ian, I just want to thank you for coming on with us tonight because it was so cool to get to talk to you. Uh, you have like such a professional podcast setup. Are you a podcaster? Yeah. Uh, no, I uh, try to do music here and there. I actually did start a podcast recently with my my one of my buddies, but we didn't. We're just starting in the works. So cool. I'm a pre-podcaster, I guess. Awesome. And then like, where are you from? Like, how'd you get into SNL? Just so we get like the quick bio before you, uh, before you head off tonight, because this is the first time getting to talk to you on the show. Uh, I'm from the Metro Detroit area. So uh, and I've just been a fan of like comedy and SNL my whole life. You know, I was a big, uh, just always just loved watching it with my parents loved Farley. I have like the best of like Farley and Sandler and all them DVDs I used to watch all the time. And I wanted to try to be honest and now but when i looked up how it looked almost impossible at the age i was at so i kind of got discouraged and forgot about it for a while and then got back into it as an adult well back into trying to pursue like sketch and stuff like i've been looking up local theater and stuff and trying to get involved in that just because my love for it grew especially like finding the podcast because i was like i need more people to nerd out about this stuff with because all my friends are like yeah cool we we don't care i'll send them sketches and it's just like enough <laughs> yeah well i'm so glad to have you as a part of our community you're welcome to nerd out with us whenever mm -hmm. so i hope that you come and join us for future podcasts and sign up for stuff like this absolutely it's been yes. fun and i'm glad i was able to make an episode and hopefully i'll be able to do more and thank you for having me awesome of course well great thank great you for your support you. so nice to meet you yeah, yeah you too all right thanks ian bye thank you hey it's so cool right get to meet so a new cool. patrons just so much fun love it. yeah all right well are you ready to bring out our next one yeah let's do it Right, I don't. Do I don't know. I don't know this lineup, so I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> All right. This is great. All right. Let's bring in our next patron coming on in. Uh, it is my friend Fred. Fred, how you doing? Doing great. Great to see you guys. You can hear me okay. I can hear you okay. Yeah. I'm gonna boost your volume just a little bit, just to make sure that everybody else can hear. And Mr. But... Haynes, I noticed. Like, do we have the same eyeglasses on? You think? Or not? Not Look quite. Pretty similar. Similar thematically yeah. i think mine are closer to a to a perfect circle yours right. have a little a little more right. shape to them yeah yeah well great but good, yeah. Luck. Fred, good yeah. luck great luck fred how are you doing i'm doing great um yeah so like i don't know if you know this but like in the states it was memorial day weekend so 
Uh, um, I, uh, yes, I, I do know it. Uh, thank you to all the <laughs> troops down there. Yes. <laughs> and, um, no, I'm doing great. I'm glad to be back on. Um, I, I do love this bit when everyone gets to kind of just do their own thing. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's been about, I can't believe it. Is it six weeks since the last SNL episode? It's crazy. How are yeah. you feeling about everything? You know, I, I kind of hate it that it's been so long, right? So uh, finally, like, you guys had like a set of shows again last week. So that's helped a lot. But it's it's sad to see it end on that note. But because it was such a good season, I'm okay with that. Yeah. 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 Um, you, you think if it was a bad season, you would be hating it more that it ended early? Yeah. I mean, if it was, if, if all of us didn't feel so strongly about it, and including myself, that would have been like more tragic, right? But, but I feel good about next season. Um, I thought it was great. It was my favorite season in a while. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I think it's like it's it's, it's like going out for dinner. Like you you order something, you're not sure sure how good it is, and then the meal is just like so great, and you're like, okay, like should I order dessert or should I just appreciate the meal that I got? That was really go. good. And I feel yeah. like thick. I feel like that's probably what we got here. Yeah, it's sort of, but also like it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess like. Like the Anand Armas episode was not bad, but like it, it, I just like wish you kind of saw it coming. Like this might be the last one, like something like that, like something more symbolic. But there's no way to yeah. really know. Yeah, well, definitely not on screen. I could tell you that off screen, like behind the camera, being there. Like yeah. I, I was told that uh, basically. Uh, when they went to the table read and when they met the host uh, that week and all the cast members were there, Lauren was basically like, well, probably see you all in September uh, because yeah. I think they knew that this was coming, but everybody was just praying that it wouldn't happen at that time. Yeah. So uh, it wasn't necessarily written that way. I don't think I got anything from the Anna Armas episode that looked like a finale. But yeah, it, it's tough that something, sometimes these things are out of our control. Yeah. So, Fred, why don't we take another question from our listeners? And Haynes, love to get your thoughts on all of these as well. So this one comes in from Culkin Cola, who mm -hmm. says, I love Devin, but I feel like I didn't get a grasp on who he is on the show. He was excellent in sketches, but I couldn't tell who he is as a performer. What does he need to do in season 49 so he could find his outlet? So we talked about this a little bit last week on the By the Number yeah. show where we went through every single cast member. And I was surprised, actually, even talking on the roundtable a couple of weeks ago, just about how much people felt like they didn't understand Devin's role on the show. Did you feel similarly, Haynes? Um, a little bit, but not, you know, in a way that makes me nervous for him necessarily. Um, I think that that happens when you're a new cast member. It's part of the process. I think if there's anything that he can do um, that would allow us to get to know him better is, yeah, I mean, he needs to find his kind of click. He needs to find his little group of writers um, that he clicks with um, that all of a sudden, like the same people they just like want to get together every week they love each other's ideas and um and they want to write for him uh that seems to be the way to survive when you're a new cast member at snl is to kind of find a group um and so i don't know you know how these relationships 
you know, develop specifically when it's behind doors. But, you know, we know that people who find early success are because they kind of found a group that wanted to write for them. Um, And obviously, it still depends on how these things read, Um, you know, but and, and there's, you know, the 50 sketches get selected down to, you know, 12 or something. But um, but I think I think hopefully he's made some friends this first year um, and we'll see him interacting with folks more. Um, and over the summer, maybe that bond will grow. And when we come into next season, um, we'll see him getting written into more sketches. And as he's written into more sketches, you know, we'll see how the audience reacts to what he does, because as genius as Lorne and the head writers are, um, you know, nothing's a joke until someone laughs at it. So, you know, you take those, you, you will, we see how stuff, um, you know, does in the dress rehearsals and, um, and if it makes it to the show and he has, I think we'll find a niche for him. Um, but that's just a natural part of the process. I'm not nervous that we don't truly know Devin yet. It's interesting. You know, we talked about like finding a writing group and my favorite thing from Devin this season was that HIV thing that he did in uh, the Aubrey Plaza episode. I thought that that was like the best Devin we got all <laughs> that year long. That was really funny. <laughs> so it was good. so funny. So I, w- I went to go take a look and see who wrote that. And it was Rosebud Baker and Michael Che. And like that is, I mean, Baker, Rosebud and, and Che, like they're good friends. That is a great team to help write mm-hmm. with Devin. So if they're able to help him find his voice, I think that would be great. Fred, what do you think about Devin and his role on the show? Well, what's interesting about what you just said is like in an alternate universe, like I can see Che playing that role too, right? Mm-hmm. Like if he was just like mm, a totally. tiny bit more of a performer, like yeah. it's it's kind of his like style. But and then like to Haynes's point, also, um, what's interesting is like at least in social media, like it seems like. Devin's like super popular and like is is friends with like so many of the cast. So I guess like now like to take it further, it's 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 like how does he kind of carve out like his own voice or like his take on things? Because it seems like he's very well liked. Like you know, I, I, I'm trying to remember, but like you know, I'll see random stories and he's like hanging out with like, the Smooks and stuff. But like, um, yeah, like I I guess his voice is still getting there, but I, I couldn't agree more. Like I'm. I feel like everyone on the show right now definitely is doing well and will be back. So, yeah, that I definitely agree with. I do think that he probably has that like first year thing of just not wanting to be too aggressive and putting his foot Mm -hmm. down on like the way he wants to run his sketches. And also, I mean, let's be real. It's much uh, it's much more straightforward of a process to bring someone on from a sketch troupe and put them in the SNL universe versus the stand-ups that we got this season who all have a learning curve to adjust to the SNL process. Like, yeah. put Devin on update, he's going to kill it with some stand-up, but to put him in sketches or writing characters and all that stuff, I don't know how familiar or comfortable he is with that process. So that is something that I think uh, will lead to a longer learning curve. Yeah. And it's unfair, right? Like Hernandez is so charming and outgoing, right? Like not everyone could be Hernandez. So like when you're compared side by side, um, it's not always, everyone's not the same. Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, let's take this next question from our friend Monette, who joins us in the chat tonight. Monette, always great to see you. Uh, She asks, will auditions be going on even if there's still a writer strike by the time the process starts? 
are midseason departures and hirings the best call in this case? So this is a really interesting logistical question, right? Because typically what would happen is, you know, scouting would begin, you know, the, the end of the season would be now. So like we're one week out or a little bit after one week out of what would have been the SNL finale. That nothing happens in June, like everybody goes on vacations. And then in July, they start doing some scouting. They'll go to different uh, comedy festivals, including Just for Laughs here at the end of July, and start looking and seeing, and then inviting people for showcases. Aristotle Atari discussed the entire process on our SNL stories we did. And you know they'll eventually bring people in in September and then October and hire them. But Haynes, how do you feel like SNL should approach this with the writer strike looming and potentially a delayed 49 start? I mean, I have no idea. This is a really great question, um, which Monette always has great questions and comments. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, when you're when you're doing these auditions, obviously, um, writers are part of that process. So if you're a member of the Writers Guild, you're not supposed to be working right now. Um, I don't know that any of them would you know, break rank to say, well, I'm not writing, I'm just performing an administrative duty. (laughs) So uh, I, I don't, I don't know how they'll handle that. But I do expect um, you're saying but just to clarify, you're saying like writers who work for SNL who are not supposed to be working right now, you're not sure if they would go out to scout for new performers for the show? Well, I mean, if, if you're, if they're on, if they're on strike, I don't, I think I think it's all kind of part and parcel. I don't think you can separate like and I, that's what I'm saying is I don't think you can be like, oh, I'm just part of a hiring process, but I'm not because I'm not writing a sketch this week. I don't think hmm. you can I don't think you can separate them. I view it as if you're a member of the Writers Guild, you're on strike and we're not we're not working right now. Um, but I could be wrong. That's just would be my assumption. Um, you know, so I, I don't I don't know how they'll handle it, but. It's, you know, it's, it's something they've faced before. Lauren is, you know, a veteran of the industry and there's plenty of other veterans of the industry in that building who will know how to manage this. Um, it just may be a season where, you know, they don't make a lot of those off-season investments, um, you know, and we just kind of prep for the new season and tie things back up. And as soon as they're, you know, this things are worked out, then the season will start up um, and maybe they don't even go through much of that process. I have no idea, uh, but it's fun to speculate about. For sure. I just wonder, like, at some point is, like, Steve Higgins and Eric Kenward, who are working, like, very well with Lauren, like, yes, they are writers on the show, technically, right. but they're also executive producers. So they're are they more, just they're producers? more producers than writers, yes. right? So, but like, I'm, yeah. But I'm wondering, like, and so a guy like Higgins, but he, but he's in the writer's room. He's in there. I mean, still, you know, every week, like he's he's working on editing those sketches um, with folks. So right. I think this is a little ticky tack, but it let, is. Me, let me think this over and let's get Fred's thoughts on this. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, I was not prepared for that, but I guess I would assume like you can be a part of like all these different guilds. Right. And, you know, it would probably like be a betrayal to write. But if you're doing some other aspect of the show, you can queue it up, right? And then you're not going to hire them or right or anything like that until something else is resolved. But like, I, I, I guess I never assume that like things can happen in parallel. So 
this this question right. didn't quite cross my mind. Like and like then like, but of course, if there's no show, there's no show. But um, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, this is an interesting comment from Matt in the chat, one of our amazing friends at the show here. Uh, he brings up like, did they hold auditions to look for replacements for Maya back in 2008 during the strike? And I think Bobby Moynihan, if I remember correctly, talked about this a little bit, where he said that he was going to be hired to be brought on at the beginning of 2008 or something like that. And the strike happened and then they hired Casey Wilson to replace Maya. And then, uh, you know, he thought he wasn't going to get on the show. And ultimately they ended up calling him back for the start of season 34. And yeah, I mean, I just think that the precedent for something like this is interesting here because I, I do think they could probably still scout and then do some of the duties that are happening here. Like, look, technically writers are not supposed to be writing right now but like are they like at their homes writing future spec scripts no for of course movies they are. they're TV writing at home like, they're just yeah. they're just not they're just not writing for contract they're not writing yeah writing. they don't want to yeah. get paid right now right because like exactly like for contract yeah but, but if lauren michaels like, calls yeah lauren michaels calls you and says like hey buddy we're gonna fly up to montreal and watch some comedy festivals and see who might we might be interested in like i don't know if that's that like crazy so um Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we need like, you know, we need a union expert here to help yeah, us with yeah. all of this. Now, uh, the other aspect of this question, obviously, is like, like, let's let's put that to the side. Like, what should they do? Like, what happens if they hire somebody and then like, it's just delayed for months and months and then doesn't start until January of 2024? Um is that is that something like you have to consider? Like, if you were producing the show, Haynes, would you be still scouting anyways, as if everything was normal? Or would you perhaps delay that process? I would I would do as much of I would keep things as close to the normal process as possible. Um, there, this is NBC. It's not like we need to worry about budget or anything because things are because we're dealing with this right now. Like they, I mean, there, there's no reason that they should not. In my understanding of how things work, there's no reason that they shouldn't be trying to keep things as close to the normal process as possible. You know, the show is going to come back eventually, like we were saying at the beginning of the show, like this, you know, these kind of a writer strike doesn't kill SNL, you know, SNL is coming back. Um, my thing, I would think that they would want to do everything as close to the normal process as possible. I mean, look what they did to get through COVID, you know, they can, I, I, think that they will work to keep everything as close to the normal process as possible. I would expect that they would do that. I wouldn't see why they wouldn't try and do that. Yeah. And look, I, I think SNL likes bringing on at least one new cast member every season. I, I really feel that it would be a like a, a major rarity and against their uh, mindset for these things if they kept everything status quo even though that's my, what we may want i just don't think that they would do that so because of that i think we're not going to get departures but we might get one or maybe two additions at most so i think they're going to at least scout and see when those one or two people uh would be coming in and then potentially look at bringing them on in october or january whatever is decided at the end when was the last time they haven't brought anyone on I think that would be between a season 32 and 33. I think that was the last time. So okay. going back to then, which, yeah, it's been been forever, really. I mean, obviously not all the new additions have worked all the time, but I think they're always looking to, you know, switch things up, which is uh, interesting, obviously, because if you go back to the beginnings of the show, like, you know, 
it seems like the mindset back then was like, let's just keep everybody together as long as possible. Yeah. All right, let's go through some of these uh, these other wars that we didn't get to, which are which is worst kind of is a fun an easy game. one. That's a fun one. Yeah. <laughs> All right, if this is so easy, Fred, let me ask you: uh, worst update feature <laughs> from this season? Anything come to mind? Could be anything from these past eighteen episodes. I, I know it's that's. Did I just stump you? Uh, you did stump me. All right, I'll give you a clue. The worst update feature from this yeah. season, as voted by the Reddit fans, was from the Steve Martin and Martin Short episode. If either of you can think of what this is. So this was something at the end of update. Yeah. All right, I'll, just tell you. I'll tell you what it is. It's it's okay. Mikey Day and Chloe Feynman as Kurt and Deb. Oh, that um, was was not very good. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're going to forget about that one, Mikey. Yeah. Okay. Uh, worst musical guest this season, as voted by by the uh, the Reddit audience. I don't do watch think? all the musical guests. To be honest, like I kind of use it as a quick break. Yeah, because I know he's a big music guy. Although Jack White was awesome, I agree. Jack White yeah. was awesome. Jack White yeah. was awesome. Um, worst musical guest? Uh, I don't know. I mean, give us a hint. All right, it's a lil. A little. <laughs> oh, really? Um, yeah. Okay. It's a little baby. It's a little baby. That's who it is. Little baby from the Michael B. Jordan episode was the worst musical guest of the season. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I mean, not that. Not particularly memorable. So, yeah. No. No. Um. All right. Final question or final thing here from our Reddit fans. Uh, worst pre-tape of the season. Hmm. So, any any guesses? I think it might uh, you hands. Okay, I think it might be like the like Travis Kelsey like one with PDT. Okay. All right, interesting choice there. So you're talking about okay, so the Travis Kelsey one with PDD. Haynes, do you have a pick here? I I, I have no idea. I have no idea. <sighs> yeah, it's like another. See, I like that Travis Kelsey one with PDD with the self-defense one. I, I did that was too. Great. I just wasn't sure if people did. Like, I feel like on the show, no one really spoke about it too much. Uh, uh, yeah, that, old, that older um, woman was a delight. But um, yeah, this is an interesting one. Jeannie Darcy from the, the Molly Shannon episode. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Don't I think people cared for that one. These Reddit people are interesting. <laughs> Them Reddit right? folks. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Well, thank you to our friend Brennan for sending those in. It's a fun little exercise to do on the show tonight. All right. Well, Fred, I mean, I got to talk to you a couple of times this season on the Patreon Feedback Show. It was so much fun getting to go through these episodes. So anything else you would like to say as we look ahead to 49 or any other final thoughts? I guess just like like real quick before, like I thought Sam Smith was so good as a performer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And well, I'm surprised like it hasn't come up really since. Um, but other than that, like, I, I'm pretty excited to see, uh, what's ahead for sure. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thanks for checking out the content. I'm so happy we were able to fill your yeah. feet a little bit over the last little <laughs> bits and we have uh, plenty yeah. of summer content as well. And, and hopefully we'll be back with 49 before not too long. Absolutely. Thank you guys. Yeah. Well, thank All you right, for great, joining us, Fred. Great, great meeting you, Fred. See ya. <laughs>
All right, Haynes. So let's continue our conversation tonight. We're going to bring in another patron in just a few minutes. But before that, uh, we'd love to take another question from the listeners, if that's cool with you. All right. Okay. If the strike continues for a while and we get a shortened season 49, will this have an effect on cast members leaving towards season 50? And that is from our friend Curly Joe. So basically here, what we're thinking about is if the short, there is a shortened season 49, let alone mm-hmm. the fact that we got a shortened season 48, mm-hmm. will that affect any departures potentially coming up over the next few years? I, I don't think it... I don't think the shortened 49 um, will affect departures as much as, you know, uh, the shortened season this year. You know, folks, obviously, I mean, if a season gets cut short, I think kind of everybody is going to probably kind of want to come back. Like maybe you don't ne- I'm not saying that everyone necessarily wants a big goodbye like Cecily or Kristen Wiig or whatever, but I don't think anyone wants the choice taken away from them, not, not even about um, a big goodbye, but just about, you know, it just ending, ending with the show. Um, it feels like a little bit like you're having something taken away from you. You don't get to do it your way. Um, I would think that this would have a bigger impact because, you know, it'll be the beginning of, we would assume it would be the beginning of season 49 that would be shortened. Pray to God season 49 doesn't start on time and then suddenly become shortened for some reason. Um, <laughs> that would be that would be really horrible. Um, but let's assume that, sh- you know, season 49 starts late. We got this shorter season. Um, I don't think that would necessarily have a huge impact on folks leaving the show because, uh, you know, if because they'll they'll get to they'll still get to do their thing somewhere toward the end of the season. Um, you know, in the last couple episodes they'll get to make their impact and, you know, maybe have a big goodbye in the finale. Um, I, I don't, I don't think that a shortened beginning, a late start to the season would have a huge effect on departures. I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, my only thought process on this is basically just the mindset of the cast members, which is like, if you're going for a bigger goodbye and you're perhaps affected by your ability to have that goodbye on the show, then that may delay the interest in uh, saying goodbye at this time, which includes people like Colin Jost and Michael Che, right? Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, had they decided to depart, you know, this May, they didn't get that opportunity. So then they right. come back for 49 at some point. Do they want the full season? Do they want to be there for 50? All these things are considerations. I think 50 is the big number. This is a narrative we've been expressing since we started podcasting back in 46, mm-hmm. which is like we have a five-year count to get to season 50. Mm-hmm. SNL wants their next great cast to be there at that time. And you have to think that the cast members are thinking about that exact same thing. Of course. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I want to bring in uh, one of our great patrons who I love getting to chat to chat with every time that he comes on. I want to get his thoughts on this conversation. So let me bring in uh, my friend, Will Norman here. So Will, how are you doing? Doing well, John. How are you? Hey, Andrew, how's it going tonight? Hey, good. How are you doing? Doing well. No so great to see you again. It's been too yeah. long. I think the last time we spoke to you on the show, was it the Brendan Gleeson episode? Right <laughs> it after that was. One? Yeah, it went out on a good one, I guess. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's been a while. My schedule has been crazy this year with when we're recording, but I'm happy to be back with you again. So, yeah, absolutely. So thankful to have you on. So, yeah, we were just talking about the idea of like, you know, the strike obviously short in 48. So we don't know when 49 is starting. Do you think that might change the mindset of some of the cast members as they're thinking about when they could potentially be departing the show? I think it does. I think um, to that point with everything being delayed and not knowing how much 
we'll get to the show before we get that traditional New Year break. Some cast members might be approaching, maybe Lauren too, the same way with it was with Cecily, where it's kind of like was hard to jam in that goodbye, you know, at the end of the year with everyone departing. So maybe you have a lot of mid-season additions and mid-season uh, departures, more so than we've seen in years past, just because of the season being cut short this year. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying. Well, Will, what were your thoughts overall on season 48 since it's been so long we got to hear from you? How are you feeling about the season overall? I feel uh, feel really good about it. I feel like season 48 was really good overall. I think the transition obviously started last year, and there's a lot of you know anxiety among the, amongst the fans of how this is going to go, what it's going to look like. And I think if you look at all the highlights, the the hosts that came in, the, the success of the new cast members, I feel like if we're going back to you know waiting for the premiere – we could all, as fans, feel really good about where the show's at and where it's headed. So I feel like overall, it's been, it's been good. I really enjoyed it. So, uh, you know, I've enjoyed, I enjoyed season 48. I feel like it's hard to let go, but I'm enjoying it. I enjoyed season 48. Yeah. Any favorite moments that really stood out to you that you're going to remember from the season? There were quite a few. I mean, I really liked, um, I actually really liked, still one of my favorite cold opens was the Miles Teller episode. Just with the the Manning cast cold open, it was kind of a really fun meta way to open up the season. I thought that they actually might bring that back for the finale if they'd had a chance just to kind of talk about the season overall. Um, I really enjoyed um, kind of a swan moment, but I really enjoyed Chase's uh, April Fool's joke on Colin. I thought that was really funny and well played. Um, just kind of fun to see them, so you amazing. know, yeah, seeing that chemistry with them, like being able to play off that. Um, and I think the the Pedro Pascal episode, like Lisa from Temecula, is probably my favorite sketch or moment of the season, just with the um, just how genuine it seemed when the, the first time around. So I mean, there's a lot of things I think I'd think about for this season, but I think overall, like just the the new cast members being able to ingratiate themselves, like get ingratiate themselves into the cast, and then just the overall quality of the episodes being really good throughout the throughout the season because they're in a good place writing and performing wise. Yeah, absolutely. Well. Will, do you want to take another question from one of our listeners tonight? Sure, sure. I'd love to. I'll try. All right. So Haynes and Will will answer this next question, which comes in on Instagram from at Amaya RS. says, can you talk about the rise of Heidi? Okay. Interesting. Because last week on the By the Number... Haynes, did you get a chance to listen to the By the Number show, by the way? No. Okay. Well... Let me tell you, we got to talk about <laughs> we got to talk about every cast member, and when we got to Heidi Gardner, our, your friend and mine, Bill Kenny, was on the show with us, <laughs> and he said that he believes, and I just want to quote him accurately. He says that if Heidi Gardner continues to have seasons like she just had in season forty-eight, she will be a Mount Rushmore woman in the history of SNL. And I was like, what? Wow. Uh, so yeah, this, <laughs> wow. was hot, this was the hot take show or the by the number show? That's uh... This was on the by the, yeah, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wait, anyways, look, I love Heidi. I think she's fantastic, but um, I don't know if she's, uh, like, like, this is the question. Can we talk about the rise of it? Has she done enough to be in that pantheon yet of like great SNL women, let alone cast members? I don't know. So let me get both of your thoughts on Heidi's season and like where she is as far as elevating in the rankings. Haynes, start with you. Listen, has she done enough right now to be on the Mount Rushmore? No, because if I can still count, that's only four, you know? So that's, <laughs> and there's been a lot of great SNL cast members, you know, whether we make it SNL cast members or just the female cast members, um, there have just been so many. Um, if, if listen, Bill has a great mind for SNL. He has a great memory. He watches. I mean, he has 
he, you know, he didn't miss an episode for 30 years or something. And he, and he just, he has, it's like, he's just takes great notes. He doesn't forget anything. And he always has great perspective going back a long way. He has great perspective. So I value his opinions very, very highly. Um, but I don't know how many seasons he's implying she needs to keep doing this to be on that Mount Rushmore. Like she had, she had an amazing season last year, but like, it won't just be, you know, one or two more seasons of that. Give me seven more seasons of that. Then the answer is yes. You know, um, has Bill Kenny become the skip Bayless of our (laughs) network? (laughs) No one will appreciate that. Question more than Bill. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> All right, well, let me get your thoughts on Heidi and her trajectory based on this season. Yeah, no, I mean, I get hands. I think it's hard to – I can't say as of right now that she's done enough to be on the Mount Rushmore. Um, I think that I, you'd have to have, yeah, like seven more seasons or like a Keenan-like run, you know, just where the, the numbers are just undeniable um, to get to that point. And I mean, I also respect Bill's opinion. I think I would be interested to know who is on his current Mount Rushmore and who is being taken off for Heidi. Um, I well, think okay, that- so basically, this is this is what I said here. Tell me, uh, like, we're going to continue. This is going to be interesting. <laughs> this is what I said. I said to me, the Mount Rushmore for the women of SNL, at least in my opinion, mm-hmm. is um, Kate McKinnon, Cecily Strong, Jan Hooks, and Kristen Wiig. I think those are the, the my four I'd have to put there. So I, I and by the way, like, I, I would probably say, like, Amy Poehler is, like, very close to finding a way on there as well. Mm-hmm. So then the question is, is like, I said to Bill, I was like, who do you take off of that list? Mm-hmm. And he was like, Cecily. And I was like, I have a very hard time. Like you match up the stats, you match up the eye test. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you right now that Heidi has produced anything better than Cecily as far as an overall season is concerned. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, first of all, a solid, solid Mount Rushmore. I think it's, I think a lot of it, obviously, when we're talking about these is a lot of subjective and what do you value in a performer and where do you, you know, what do you weight? Um, I would say, you know, overall, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put Heidi in that Mount Rushmore right now. I think she definitely has to have some more, um, some more seasons of quality, some more quality seasons like this one, and then with some, some more like high highs. Um, I think she's get the benefit of getting just more time to shine. It's been a crowded cast, so it's kind of nice to be able to see her get a chance to like to um, to, to flourish and just get more get more screen time. But um, I don't think she's there yet. But I don't want to count anybody out. You never know. She might, you know, we might be talking about her in season sixty. Um, you know, as part of the Mount Rushmore. So who knows? Yeah, I mean, I love to think about her as the person who I, I, I honestly feel was slightly overshadowed over the last few seasons mm-hmm. and then now had an opportunity to break out of her shell even more. She always was really good at one aspect of the show, which was clearly she was just as good as you can get on Weekend Update. But now her ability to like anchor some live sketches uh, was something I was looking for this season. And what I did find was is that she was really consistent in a lot of live sketches where she wasn't necessarily the focal point or the role in all the sketches she was there as like a great utility player a la akina thompson so for me i have to wonder if that is what she is going to be for the next few years and and i think longevity is the key here if she's able to stay on a few more years and just stabilize a lot of sketches with other people who are you know maybe more eccentric performers i think we will in the long run look back on heidi gardner's career as a very solid one on the show i'd agree yeah, I, I I I agree with a lot of that too. And um, you know, obviously, you know, as you said, she's been just amazing at the weekend update desk. I mean, she just oozes characters, um, and uh, just you know, some really great ones this season. 
um, in particular. But I I see her like in sketches. Yeah, I think she has a very um, at least this year she had a very like Mikey Day vibe to me, in that she was very she was really good at like playing the straight character who's kind of dealing with like the crazy character. Um, and, and that's, I think is a role that she can thrive in. Oh, although when you think about her weekend update characters, you're very, uh, <laughs> confident in her ability to play a crazy character too. Um, but here's the difference, Haynes, is that when she's on weekend update, she is so good because she is only responsible for herself in mm-hmm. that role where she comes out and she could just change into this purely like she's a, a brilliant actress mm-hmm. and she could just be so method in her roles on weekend update and it is such a different skill set in my opinion to be that type of person in a sketch because then you have to deal with everybody and all the moving parts around you so i don't know that she's applied the method crazy character to live sketches so i think what we're getting from her in live sketches is something that is much more natural to her which is like when she is in the environment with a lot of people she could play it more straight but when she's on her own and only Mm -hmm. responsible for putting out her dramatic work we will get that via the update desk Mm -hmm. that's right will what about any other thoughts you have on the season or anything you're looking forward to in 49 was there anything else that you watched that you were like oh i really want to just you know get to talk about this yeah, no, I think I'm really excited just to see kind of how the, with obviously with the strike and everything too, timing wise, how that affects any potential um, changes with the cast. I feel like the cast is in a good place, but there's always stuff that happens around the margins or things that are unexpected um, that happen. So I'm interested to see what continuity we get from this season versus next year. And then also, I mean, we're talking about, you know, you mentioned John, like go, headed towards season 50. Like how much of the things that are planned for season fifty, whether it's host wise, musical guest wise, that maybe haven't fit into the the that there's not room enough for for season fifty, will start to get in forty nine. Um, maybe you know, host that's hard to arrange schedule wise. Like, are we going to get some of those uh, people that haven't been on the show for a long time or first timers that um, will get in forty nine instead of fifty? That's kind of a warm up to the big event. So, looking forward to that and just kind of seeing when the season starts and like I said, how much will be left to uh, to you know, see as the season progresses next year. So interesting, because I have to think that if 49 goes according to plan, we're going to get all one or two time hosts next season. I don't think that any of the five timers are coming back because I think that everyone is being held off for that next year where the ad revenue that NBC is going to be making from all the episodes is going to be so much higher because people are going to be coming back. There's going to be unexpected cameos. I just think that the live viewership of season 50 will be extremely high. So I have to think they're going to hold back a little bit next season. And I wonder how that would affect the overall quality of season 49. Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I'm curious, I'm curious to see how it's going to play out. Cause like I said, 50 is a big one. So we'll see how it goes from 49 absolutely well well a couple questions for you one is um i i got to listen to you on the snl hall of fame today your episode came out were you on the round table you oh, were yeah. so fantastic oh, at thanks. that so uh, i'm so impressed with you with your entire knowledge and, and everything that you were saying about all the nominees you're putting out there so uh great to see you on that buddy. yeah thanks john i appreciate it yeah super fun always always great to talk with uh, fellow fans about you know snl and like i said thanks for uh, checking out the episode of course. And the other question I have for you is, are you a basketball fan? Because I noticed the picture behind you. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm a huge Lakers fan. So not quite ready to talk about it yet with them getting swept. But yeah, I'm a, <laughs> I guess over this way, I'm a Lakers, a big Lakers fan, um, big Kobe fan. And like I said, just uh, waiting for them to start playing again next season as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. Can I just tell you, I'm a big Miami Heat fan. <laughs> <laughs> well, shout out to you. Probably weren't expecting to have to do this. Yeah, this is my dedication to the Frasers that I am doing this during Game 7, which I was really hoping yeah. would not happen. We were very close <laughs> to wrapping say, things up on Saturday. For any patrons that doubt, that aren't sports fans but doubted your love, no, John is 100% committed to the cause because that is that, that's big for Game 7. Yeah, for sure. I got my nice uh, box score happening right over here <laughs> on my again. phone as we're going. But um, but yes, for sure, Saturday was, was quite miserable as uh, they lost it in the last yes. second. But looking forward to catching up on all that. Um, Will, what else are you up to? Anything else uh, going on in your life? Uh, nothing much. I mean, honestly, just been real. I mean, busy work is always kind of busy. So I've been traveling a lot for that. Um, and then um, do yoga outside of this. So just kind of those things have been keeping me pretty busy. Other than that, I've just uh, been listening to podcasts and like I said, hopped on I can and Life is good though. It's been a nice Memorial Day. Got some stuff done around the house, so no complaints. What's the what's what's the medal for? What's the medal for? <laughs> this is a, this is a fake medal that, that <laughs> I got. I got at a work meeting once upon a time. We were doing like an Olympic theme, so I just uh, keep mm-hmm. that for my for my old team. So uh, no no value Funny. there. <laughs> Funny. Sorry to call you out. <laughs> no no no. You're good. You're good. Actually, I got. I do. I think John, you've seen this already, but I'll see if I can show you guys this really quick. Give me one sec. Okay, a little show and tell here on the Patron Feedback Show. So looking forward to All seeing right. what we're going to get here from our friend okay. uh, Will Norman on Sorry, the show no, tonight. This is t- uh, terrible for podcasts, obviously, but I got this from oh, Wally. Nice. Cute card Wally. Oh, got this for me a long time ago. So um, yeah, I got a cute card. So here. From yeah, I'll awesome. read it up just for the audio listeners so they can see. So Will is holding up a cue card that says, we've got a great show for you today. Will Norman is here, so stick around. We'll be right back. And that is from our friend Wally, the cue yeah. card guy, uh, obviously. Uh, that is fantastic. So very happy that you have that, Will. So cool. <laughs> yeah, great for a podcast. Thanks for letting me share. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely well thank you so much for joining us always great to catch up with you i look forward to having you on for a full show in the future and uh, all the best to you buddy same to both of you great seeing you john you guys take care right. and i'll be listening yeah great thanks well you. all right haynes you having a good time tonight oh of course Okay, well, we got another patron lined up for us right next, and this guy is coming to us from across the pond. So let me bring in my friend Lewis Cooper. Lewis, how you doing, buddy? Hello, I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you guys? Yeah, late doing for you, awesome. Lewis, but happy this to have is you on. Quarter past two. So quarter past two. Yeah, oh gosh. Right well, <laughs> thank you. How was your day today, Lewis? Uh, succession Barry ended, so mixed mm-hmm. feelings on okay. that. Episodes were great. Sad they're over. So all right, no, no really spoilers here because just in case no, 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 of course not, of course, yeah, not, of course, in, in case. But yes, uh, very big weekend for television, obviously. Um, but you know, we're gonna flash back. I guess six weeks, season forty-eight ended, and we never got to hear your thoughts, Lewis, on the season. So, what are you thinking overall? Uh, I'm really enjoying it. Oh, enjoyed past tense. Uh, we got a lot of new stuff, which I think something I felt with forty-seven was we were getting some new stuff, but a lot of it was kind of getting meshed with the old, still kind mm-hmm. of moving out of the po- political. Kate and AD, a lot of the, the tired tropes we'd see in Mikey and Alex. So we'd kind of seen for years, and we were still seeing some of the new stuff. We were still seeing some of the new stuff like Sarah or JJ were bringing. And I think this season, we're kind of seeing that in full front. I'm very, I'm very happy and sad that so many people left, because I think so many great cast members, especially Cecily, uh, her leaving, she is such a talented performer. She's one of my favorite actresses, one of my favorite comedians. Um... But I think her leaving has been such a necessary move as the first three episodes, still finding their footing, but the back half of the season, it's really felt 
I, I don't know how to describe it, but very consistently on top of their game. Sure, a lot of sketches are still missing. No, not missing isn't like hit and miss, but they're they've found their flow very quickly despite have lo- losing so many people, and it's a good flow that I think if it just keeps going, they keep sprinkling in more new stuff. I think we're gonna we're it's possible to get to a new golden era. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's so isn't it great, Haynes, that we have all these people coming on from all across the world and they're all saying they loved SNL this season. Like, how surprising is that? Like, nobody comes on and says, you know what? I hated the season and you guys suck. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yeah, it's awesome. And 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 I agree with everything that Lewis just said. I mean, Cecily is also one of my favorite performers of all time. But yeah, you make a great point. Like, it just opened up so much space in the show. I mean, she was they just utilized her so much. Um you know, this, this does create a ton of space and, and I, and I do think they've hit a really good stride or at least it felt like they did until I guess they tripped on the sidewalk that we call writer strike. Um, and so I don't know, we'll, we'll see if they can pick up next season with the same kind of steam that they had rolling into the second half of the season after the new year's break. Lewis, are you cool with taking a question from one of our listeners? Yeah, completely. Go for it. All right, let's do that. Let's take a question from uh, on Instagram from at Justice for Augustus Gloop. I guess is that the guy from Willy Wonka? That's very. All right. Did well, Augustus deserve justice for something? <laughs> uh, yeah. Did, did he die in Willy Wonka? I don't remember. Uh, the originally died in the new one. He didn't. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry for no spoilers for Willy Wonka. Um, but anyways, um, <laughs> all right. Uh, Justice for Augustus Gloop wants to know uh, something that the show should fix going into next year. So an interesting turn of like how we view the show. Anything that we think that the show should still needs to fix going into next year? Lewis, what do you think? Um, I think we're slowly fixing a lot of the issues I had. Uh, political sketches, I don't mind cold openings being political i we did see this a bit i'm kind of sick of slightly relevant politician monologues for six minutes for the cold opens because i think there's a lot of clever things you can do with cold opens i think sometimes it is very necessary especially with uh upcoming like figures like desantis or uh not really still but trump uh sometimes it is necessary to have like a few minutes talking about them, but I think there are there is much more creative things they can do with cold opens based on the fact that they are set in the now. Uh, I really liked the first day of summer cold open because I I don't mind the kind of cast member uh, parades, mainly when, you know, they're cold opens. If they're restricting to that, it kind of, you open the episode, same with the Oscars one, you're kind of going, okay, here's the cast, they're all ready to perform today this is something that's happening in the real world that interests me. I'm going to keep watching compared to, you know, something you you jokes you've seen about all week on Twitter. And I think SNL needs to be aware that they are now. And for the last decade have been competing with social media when there's so many funny people on Twitter making jokes about current politicians. SNL kind of has to argue why we should listen to their take and why, we should tune in and find them entertaining because I think they're kind of hitting a weird middle ground of they're doing what they've done since the show started in regards to politics. And I think there is a lot of room to evolve on that and really enhance the fact that you're live, enhance the fact that you have a big cast, 
and utilize that to make something really great that makes people want to go to that for their political comedy uh, finds rather than uh, only their phone. Brilliantly said. Yeah, that was awesome. Lewis, so thanks. Thanks for that. Uh, Haynes, what do you think? Anything they should fix or anything you want to comment on what Lewis said? Uh, well, I, I think Lewis made some great points. Um, I mean, the number one, listen, SNL is always ebbing and flowing and you're constantly tweaking and, um, and, you know, we're having our ups and downs and, and momentum swings, different directions for different, um, actors and different themes. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't think SNL is broken in any way. Um, I thought this was kind of an interesting question to say, you know, is there something they need to fix moving forward? I mean, the number one thing that needs to get fixed um, is the, you know, the union contract, I guess. Um, but once, you know, once we fix that, um, listen, at, at, you know, Lewis was talking about, um, yeah, we're competing with social media. That did bring up something that's slightly related. Um, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of the TikTok sketches. I, I, I generally do like, I, 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 I mean like specifically like the ones we got in 47. Yes. Um, and, and those were something that I, I was never very into. I think that, um, but to what I'm trying to comment on is Lewis's point that, um, you know, we're trying to, yes, of course, SNL is trying to draw eyeballs and they're competing with new types of entertainment. Um, but I do like the idea of them not trying to, I think the way they compete with other forms of entertainment is by being themselves. I think SNL has had a good thing going for a long time. And I'm not saying that it shouldn't evolve. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that I don't think that they, I don't think that we need like, TikTok sketches. I don't think we need sketches about TikTok to try and draw draw eyeballs from TikTok, which sometimes it feels like maybe that's the case. The thing that I do like about those sketches were that they were, you know, it's a good revolving door for characters. And I generally do like revolving door sketches, you know, where we get to have, you know, 10 different characters march across the stage. Um, I have fun with that stuff, but I don't like I think that the way that SNL can compete most with other forms of entertainment is by doing what they do best. And that shouldn't be hard because there's no one else who does it. SNL is a unique institution because of what it's done for so long. There's no other live form of comedy, anything like this, where the whole country or, you know, internationally, you know, people are tuning in. Lewis, Lewis is talking to us at, you know, <laughs> 2.15 in the morning. Um, and obviously, you know, John, you're watching in Canada. Um, so far it, away. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, um, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's such a unique thing. There's nothing else like it. I don't think they need to try and be anything other than that. And I don't think they need to try to suck eyeballs away other than by doing what they do best, which is bringing us live comedy, you know, most Saturday nights of the fall and spring, you know? Right. I mean, first of all, uh, I hate your take. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think it's, it's, uh, this is it's not the Bill Kenny level of take, but it's <laughs> it's not great because uh, SNL absolutely needs to evolve for sure. No, they, evolve, I mean, not try to be something that they're not. 
Do you understand okay. that? I, 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 think, I think there's I a difference there. I think there's a difference there. Yeah, I, I do feel that like taking TikTok trends and then translating them to the SNL machine is probably a path for success. So it's not necessarily like recreating what somebody would do on TikTok, but using um, using things that are popular on TikTok and then trying to get something from SNL to be popular on TikTok, I think is important for the longevity of the show. So, um, but let me I, tell I you a secret. May- let me tell you a secret, yeah. John, about the longevity of this show. TikTok is going to be banned next month. Okay, so forget TikTok. Okay, forget about it. Like that's not the longevity. Well, well, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm just telling you. There's. Yeah. There's okay. A, well, then yeah. wait. Wait till the next TikTok well, pops up. So that's all I'm saying. Something yeah. okay. I'll say about the TikTok sketches is with those, it didn't feel like it, this. I've seen. I saw this. Well, we have seen this in sketches with cold opens a couple times in the past. Uh, I'm thinking about the. Gen Z Hospital, and there was one in 47, I think it was Biden, the whole thing, it was a bunch of TikTok influencers, I know, yeah, was cool going through. yeah, yeah, that cool one, and with those, it feels like SNL is trying to make fun of the, okay, I'm gonna, I should not use hands, this isn't, this is an audio uh, format, but if there's generations, there's Gen Z, Millennials, Gen X, whatever. If that's how we're looking at SNL, and SNL is currently sitting at like millennial, kind of like older millennial, kind of moving towards Gen Z, with the the, the previous two Gen Z hospital and that cold open with Biden and the TikTok influencers, it felt like millennials trying to make fun of Gen Z humor. But with mm. the two TikTok sketches, it feels like Gen Zs trying to make fun of the Gen Z humor. And I think. That's why those TikTok sketches work so much, both pre-tapes work so much better because it feels like someone like myself who uses TikTok a lot can watch that and go, haha, you're right. That is a silly thing. That is a funny thing. That is something you see on the app rather than SNL trying to painfully recreate parody you've seen better on TikTok. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I don't think, I don't, I don't, when I was saying like evolve, I wasn't meaning that, you know, the average a 11 year old whose attention span has been permanently damaged due to tiktok they're not they're not the ones tuning into snl but there is the kind of young adult my my kind of generation people my age that they're kind of at the brink of they could get really invested in snl at the time but tiktok and the kind of political commentary on that and on twitter that's kind of stopping them from getting into that so i think snl not necessarily adapted. It's it's a difficult thing because SNL shouldn't stop being SNL, but I think there is a way to keep doing what they're doing, but still become a bit more appealing to newer generations for a show's longevity. I know TikTok very well could be banned. That's not going to fix the current generation's attention spans. Right. Yeah. Can I guys? Can I give you guys a quick other fix that I'd like to see um, on the show, which is. You know, we've been praising how great the monologues have become over the last couple of seasons with Nordwin and Dicenzo working on them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love the fact that we get to know these hosts and all that stuff. But I do feel like one thing we are missing from the show over the last couple of seasons is a get to know the cast members a little bit through the monologues and through the interactions between the cast members and hosts. And we 
very, very rarely got a cast member in a monologue this season. And even if it was the old fashioned Q&A or the back and forth or, or just somebody popping in at some point, I do feel that really helps the audience understand the archetypes of each of the cast members on the show. And that is something that I think is, is such an easy fix. It's like we don't have to take away what's good about the monologue, but we can add some cherry on top to the things that people are enjoying at the show. Something in regards to that, um, you're a numbers man. I don't know if you have this uh, like in front of you. How many not first time hosts were there this season? Oh, how exactly. many not first time hosts? Well, uh, oh, we have oh, not first time hosts. Yeah, yeah. Well, we had. Uh, I'll just go through quickly. We always had Schumer and Chappelle, uh, Stephen mm-hmm. Marty, um, mm-hmm. and then trying to think after that, Woody would be. The, Is it Woody and Molly? One. Are those the only other? And ones? Molly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So six so, out of eighteen. Yeah, six people who weren't first time hosts. To, well, six out of 19 uh, well, technically right because yeah, yeah. Uh, i'll say four of them are stand-ups so they would never really kind of get involved with the cast i think that with first-time hosts they're so much more focused on getting to know the cast member uh, the host themselves and that might be why we've not been seeing the cast members in monologues because of this kind of newer thing in recent years of so many first-time hosts and especially this season there were two not first-time hosts who were also not stand-ups. Uh, and I think that could kind of be it. You also had Woody Harrelson going on some weird rant. Uh, Molly Shannon, I think they did cast members in Molly Shannon. Did they do cast members in Molly Shannon's monologue? I can't remember. Uh, they did. That was the one yeah. where they actually did have some cast I members think... in there. We had Martin Short also as a cameo there. Yeah, we probably would have had um, a lot of cast members in the Pete Davidson monologue. Uh, maybe Kieran Culkin? Yeah. But, but I don't need a lot. I just need like one or two. Yeah, no, no, I, I think that's fine. I know what you mean. Um, anyways, Lewis, I mean, it's so great to get to talk to you. Thank you for staying up late with us. This was so <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It lets me, gives me excuse to play more Zelda. So it's okay with me. Of course, of course. Well, you know, any other thoughts that you want to get out to the listeners before we say goodbye to you tonight? Uh, no, I really hope to see more new stuff. That's kind of what I watch us now for. Not same old, same old. Uh, this was for fun thing. I might be seeing JJ in a few weeks. He's actually coming to Glasgow, so congratulations! SNL comedian I've ever seen perform live. Yeah. Awesome, awesome! That would be, that would be yeah, really maybe, cool. maybe somewhere, somehow, he saw the podcast and saw that there was a fan <laughs> in Glasgow. Oh my so he's there. I'll be the yeah. one. Me and my friend will be the two people in the comedy yeah. club. It'll be great. <laughs> yeah, well, we're fans of you too, Lewis. So always uh, great to get to talk to you, and looking forward Thank to having you. you back on sometime soon. Okay. Yeah. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks so of much. Course. Great seeing you. Yeah, see you. Bye, buddy. All right, Haynes, ready to continue? Oh, yeah. All right, let's do it. Bring it on one of my favorite people. It is Demi. Demi, what's up? Hi, John. <laughs> hey, Andrew. Hey. Nice to see you. Thanks yeah, for having how are you me. Doing today? I'm well. Yeah, everything going okay? Yeah. I'm going to F up this intro like classic me. <laughs> I'm gonna no, do no, it. no, it's so great to have you on. So uh, Demi, always great to have you in the chat all season long. Would love to know what your thoughts are on season 48 as a whole. I mean, I liked it. I I don't do fantasy SNL the way some fans do um, on Reddit. But I mean, I just, I, there was a, like a lot of new stuff, and a lot of old stuff. And I mean, has no one brought up Kiki Palmer and Keenan and Cal reunion? Mm. Has no one brought that up yet? Has no one brought not that up tonight. yet? Not tonight. Not tonight. <laughs> um, that was definitely a highlight for me. I, I uh, that was such a lovely symmetry of of a story being closed. And then they're gonna they're making Good Burger too. So, oh, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, they're making. I didn't Good know Burger about too. Good Burger too. I saw Good Burger in the theaters. Me too. And 
Twice. Awesome. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. Wow. I only got it once, but I believe that Good Burger, I think I've told this story on the podcast before, Good Burger, my, my dad took my brother and I to see Good Burger, and we rarely... Well, we didn't go to the movies that much anyway, but but it was rare that they would let us get candy because it's so expensive. Um, so we got we he let us get candy that time, and he asked for a recommendation what he should get. And I guess you know just the candy we were really into at the time was Starburst, so we recommended Starburst, and he got the Starburst and uh, opened the wrapper. You know, you get your stack of like ten little squares or whatever, and he's eating them. And um, it wasn't until after the movie he told us he was like, "I don't get the big deal about these things." They suck. And he had eaten like seven of them and not the last three. And it turned out somehow we discovered in conversation, he did not know you have to take the wax paper off of them. And he's just eating these Starbursts with the paper on. And he's like not getting any flavor out of them and just chewing up this wax paper with this little gummy thing in the middle and just being like, oh, these things suck. And then swallowing them. So that is, that's my Goodberry story. Our Good Burger story is I remember like just thinking it was just a really great like blooper dad moment. Yes, that, that took a turn. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, Good Burger Two coming out sometimes. Yeah, I know they're actually. I think they're filming it now, and I think they got away with filming it now because the the script was like completely written, written yeah. and taken care of. Um, and then the PDD movie that was supposed to be the summer, but that'll be in November now. So interesting on the SNL movie front, what to watch for. But Demi, uh, we are busy answering some questions from our listeners, and I always love to get your take. So can we run a couple by you? Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> okay well this one comes from our friend d crom who i always love getting questions from d crom uh says um do you think anybody will leave over the summer so we talked about what snl should do but do you think anybody's gonna say all right that's it for me demi um well john um i think short of a a, a lover's quarrel um or personal drama i don't i think the it sounds so bad to say but like the crowd is like thinned out a little bit so I think maybe people are more comfortable with the time they're getting and the maybe the agency they have over the script writing. So I would say no, just because like I'm. I think a lot of them are just gearing up for, you know, uh, finishing out forty eight and then getting back to work on forty nine because they have like a whole new constellation of cast members. So I would say no, unless there's drama. Okay, because that's what. What do you think? Um, I don't think that anyone wants to leave in the summer after a, a season that's been cut short. I would just imagine that, that folks don't want to do that. Like if, you know, Colin and Che were thinking of hanging up, you know, at the weekend desk, uh, weekend update desk, I, I don't think that, I think they'll be back now. If they had decided they were going to leave, I think that this is the kind of thing that would encourage them to come back. Um, I think that they would do that. And, and I think that, you know, cutting a season short is the motivation why I would expect that folks would not want to leave this summer. If someone leaves this summer, it's because they got fired. Okay. I disagree with that notion because if Mikey Day over the summer decides, you know what, I just had a great season. I want to go out on top. He's not fired. He just decided he wanted to go. So I think that's okay. There. That I, I do think. You have some, listen, Mikey's been on the show a long time, right? So maybe, I mean, maybe he could do something like that. But my feeling is that nobody wants the end of their final season stolen away from them 
Um, and so I would expect everyone to be back. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Well, then the, we have this other question which came in from Nick Store, and Nick says, does every cast member stay on the show if they want to? So I guess that's like a question of like, well, could potentially be somebody be pushed out the door. Yeah, and I mean, I Lauren, think- Lauren could decide he hates someone and that could happen. <laughs> that could happen yeah um i don't think it will though i don't think like demi i don't know if you i know you've listened to a lot of the podcasts this uh season um I, do you share the same opinion as us that at least as far as this rookie class was concerned like there's no outlier here it seems like they would want to bring everybody back yeah they're still still forming like they finally coalesced and it was like sarah sherman was doing breakout stuff and then she was ensemble for a while so it seemed like there's there's so much more to be more depth to be plumbed or plumbed in it, you know, it, it hasn't been realized yet. So Yeah, for sure. Demi, I don't know if I've ever asked you, who is your favorite cast member of all time? Oh, Chris Farley. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think so I know, I think you. yeah, it's Chris Farley. It's just like Chris Farley to me is SNL. Um and then there's, you know, and that's it. Well or Norm Norm McDonald, but that's, you know. Yeah, that's obvious, right? That's everybody. That's not just me. <laughs> For sure. By the way, which which reminds me in a way of um, and I would be remiss not to bring this up tonight, which is we just passed the 25th anniversary of losing Phil Hartman, uh, which yeah. was yesterday. Uh-huh. And that was um, and obviously like one of the biggest tragedies ever. Like the fact that there are generations of comedy fans who grow up now never having like heard or watched Phil Hartman because he didn't, you know, make it to now is is just such a tragedy uh, to me probably the greatest SNL cast member of all time. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a, that's a super respectable answer. I'm yeah. I, I can't disagree with you because uh, yeah, just everything about him. It's like, it's like the way that all, all ended, even though so long, it was just, it just, it just beggars belief. It's like, you can't process it. Cause it's like, it doesn't, it just doesn't match. I remember. For yeah, sure. it, but that's yeah. a good call. That's a good call, John. He's Hartman was one of those folks who, I've said this a million times. He never missed. He just yeah. did not miss. Like nope. every time you got something from him. And, and there's other cast members like that, but they often kind of fit like a more narrow lane. And he just had such range. He could really do everything and still like never missed. I mean, that I is know. just, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just still. Sorry. For sure. No, no, no problem. No, no. This is great to get to hear from you. Uh, honestly, you know, before I watched, went back and watched old seasons of SNL, I had heard the name Phil Hartman. And I remember like, there were times where I like looked back at his like Wikipedia page and he has that like famous like older photo of like him with the hat if he ever like gone mm-hmm. over there. And I always like, I like heard of this guy, but I never really knew. And just like watching him is like, you know, it's like really having to like see it to believe it. Like it's like going to watch like you know old videos on YouTube of like Babe Ruth. It's like, it's yeah, like yeah. what? It's yeah, like, it's like oh, it's all it's all true. Like it's all true. Mm-hmm. He really yeah. is that great. Like he really is that great of a performer and that because uh, he was the ultimate dad. He was the ultimate ensemble. He was the ultimate standout when he wanted to be. I mean, he was so consistent and yet so versatile and. Uh, he was such a gracious like cast member. Like he never stole the spotlight. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm, John, thank you for sharing that. That's such a cool like. Oh, of public. course. I mean, like, like you know, statistically, Phil Hartman put up like numbers that will never be topped. Like he has records that are insane. And a lot of people have always said to me, "Well, you know what? He was like working in a smaller cast." Well, actually, he was in casts that were like seventeen <laughs> people before. So, and he still put up numbers that are like 
like you would literally have like what Cecily did this year in five episodes, like a sort of six is like even a little bit less than what Phil Hartman was doing when he was a cast member. Like, and he did that for, for years. So for me, like the longevity and just like the overall impact on the show uh, is unmatched to me. And uh, in an alternate universe, like, you know, everything didn't wow. happen the way that it did. And he was still around. Like, I think he would have hosted the show like a million times. Oh my like, God. He was- and it would have been great. It would have been great. Like, I, I, I mean, I, I can see Will, I can see Phil Hartman DNA in Will Ferrell because of his commitment and his deadpan delivery for everything. It's not, it's not the, exactly the same, but I can see that he must have watched a lot of Phil Hartman. I didn't know his metrics were that high, though. Um, I just remember he was always he was just always there. Like, he was, like, part of SNL. Like, for sure. Like, News Radio? Who remembers News Radio? Like, Phil Hartman was great in that. Right. Oh. Of course. The best. Listen, and j- listen, Jingle All the Way and House Guest are both are both films that get watched regularly with my family like not i mean jingle all the way at the holidays and house guests like anytime i sent i sent back when before everything was streaming like one year i sent dvd copies of house guest to like all my family members <laughs> as gifts because because we just all had loved it so much at different parts in our lives um sinbad in that movie with him amazing as well if for folks haven't seen house guests underrated family comedy <laughs> I haven't seen either, but I know Robert Smigel would always talk about Jingle All the Way when he was doing Arnold on Conan. Like, Jingle All the Way, my hit, hit comedy. Jingle All the Way. Jingle all the- it was That's awesome. How- Jingle All the Way was great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which also, did. Sinbad. Oh, I didn't realize both of these have Phil Hartman and Sinbad. Yeah. Great. We just, we're just really into Hartman and Sinbad in my house. Yeah. You, you found that unique uh, cross in the pie chart where you're, you're a fan of both of those guys. Um, all right. Well, I have two more questions that came in from our patrons. So I just want to make sure to get to them. And I think this would be a fun one to uh, ask Demi while she's here. So this one came in from our friend, uh, Jeremy Boulard, who asks uh, us, what are your favorite podcast moments of season 48? So Demi, I feel like this is a fun question to ask you because I know you're like sometimes in the chat. Was there anything that stood out to you as far like something you enjoyed on the show with us this year oh my god uh, chris red thing that was last season right yeah we got to talk to chris red between season 47 and 48 but that still counts that's still pretty no but like when like you got word he was leaving like mid podcast oh yeah that was crazy yeah that was like right in the right in the preseason of 48 where we were like talking about all of the cast members that like alex melissa and aristotle that we found out in august and then Mm -hmm. i got an email blast as that was happening that was uh very crazy so that's a that great was moment. crazy that was crazy. and, and yeah. you handled it like so professionally like so walter cronkite i was like well if john is verifying it it's true that's the end of the story no no need to speculate that's it that's it you can't get more verified than that so thank you for that public service john yeah i felt like dana dana carvey like recording the tapes like breaking news gerald ford is dead yeah hey so what about you any uh any favorite podcast moments from the season for you gosh i don't know i mean i'd have to think back listen i mean watching 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 my boy sammy get to fist bump bobby moynihan through the through the through the through the through the zoom through the zoom windows i mean that was special that was special you know i i I like i i like hearing my friends be loved and get and get credit seeing mikey day be so excited about mike murray's stats and everything like it's it's really fun to know how much the cast members at least some of them seem to appreciate what we do um that's that's super cool i love those kind of moments for sure he was obsessed yeah 
he was. Yeah, he, he was. And you guys didn't even get to see the like. I, I I didn't get to put the full interview in there. I did like my best I could to like get the everything that I thought was good um, to cut into the interview to the best I could. But like even in the pre-show and then the after-show, like when we were stopped recording, he was just like, "You got to tell me everything." And I was like, "I promise, I will." <laughs> well, um, so yeah, it was just that was really cool. I'd say like personally, that was like a, definitely a highlight for me. Obviously, really getting to enjoy to talk to Mikey and and Bobby as well. I mean, Bobby as much as big of a fan of Sammy as Bobby. Like I love Bobby too. So it was just uh, very cool. So all of the yeah, SNL stories we did. Yeah. And, and, and you know what? Like, yeah, I, Aristotle was very great last week on Demi had such kind words about that. So thank you for that as well. Oh, yeah, um, and, uh, and, and also like, gotta say like all the hot take shows this season, like getting to stay up late and just having like such big, like active chats there was yeah. so much fun because like you know like after an snl episode like i'm watching it i'm taking notes i'm like running on fumes a little bit and just like the energy of the crowd is like something i feed off of so like just uh so many great moments from the season so thanks jeremy for asking that question yeah all right demi anything else you want to say to the listeners while you're with us tonight man yeah pay them what they're worth and like i mean don't let ai yes. take over like this is i hope everyone like survives as intact as possible because this sucks this sucks I hate this. Like, pay them. Like, this is, I can't. So, that's it. Totally agree. Well, it's such a pleasure to get to talk to you. I love it when you join the show. So, oh, John, really thankful thanks for, you. for having me. Yeah, uh, of course. Okay. okay. Thanks, John. <laughs> you did great. All right. We'll talk soon, Demi. Okay, so nice bye. to meet you. All right. All right, Haynes. You having fun tonight? Yeah. This is awesome. This is great. Okay, we're going to bring on our closer. Are you ready for this? It's, it's my friend, Casey Killingsworth, who's joining us tonight. Casey, Ooh. how are you? Good. Uh, good to um, be back on the show one last time. Uh, now the season's, you know, you know, officially over when it would be over. And uh, good to see you guys again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, let's uh, just, you know, wrap this up and put a bit of a closer on the season while we can. For sure. Well, I love having you come on at the end of the shows because you always have such interesting intellectual thoughts on everything. So, uh, Casey, uh, it's been, you know, six weeks, I guess, since the SNL season ended. What are your thoughts overall? Are you just dying without SNL right now? Well, um, the thoughts on the season, um, I'll talk about the last few shows we got in April since um, last time I was here, we talked about the Jenna Ortega episode in March. And um you know, my main takeaway from the, you know, unofficial end of the season that we ended up getting um, is that um, they, we got a lot of like strong, oops, my ring lights kind of <laughs> falling down. <laughs> no um, yeah, so we got a lot of, um, you know, strong female hosts to you know, push us over that hump. Um, but, you know, a couple of them, it seemed like they were relying on those hosts to um, carry a little bit, uh, a little bit weaker material. But the hosts did a great job, and um, I think uh, Quinta Brunson was the strongest of the bunch. Um, yeah, that even that was so good. Even um, even Andrew Dick and Tim Cali had to review that one now <laughs> on that. That week in SNL, it's not even a vintage one, but they had to talk about it. They couldn't wait. But um, but that what stuck out to me was that that one just felt, you know, the most focused. And uh, it's like she really took charge of the show that week. Even I wasn't as hot on the traffic altercation sketch. But after I did um, watch the Mikey Day interview you guys did, that um, it, it grew on me uh, like I knew it would. And um, 
And yeah, um, it just hit me today, you know, going back over uh, my last few blog posts in preparation for this. Um, the Quinta Brunt, the, the Quinta Brunt, excuse me, the Quinta Brunson episode, um, uh, what we got there was um, a more successful version of what they tried to do with the Megan the Stallion episode back in October. A lot of people complained that um, um, that was a host that uh, they had to structure the entire show around her and her brand, and it didn't work. It didn't feel like SNL. Um, they were able to do that successfully with uh, Quint. She gave a real sincere pointed monologue about um, just her history in comedy and how she deals with fame as a black woman and what you know, education means to her. And uh, she had a message, you know, pay teachers what they're worth. That really resonates now with, that really res- resonates now with a writer strike. And I too hope we get that resolved soon. And the writers get paid what they're worth. And um, yeah, we Absolutely. can continue with SNL. And yeah, she had a really pointed and focused monologue that sh- that whole episode showed that, um, you know, SNL was going, was starting to go in a new direction and starting to, figure itself out um uh near the end of the season so it had a clear direction of um a clear direction of what season 49 would be when they were going but um sadly the molly shannon and the armis they were those are fine episodes fine hosts but they didn't build on that momentum of here's where i mean aside from maybe molly carney's update commentary and aside from some of the uh, new feature player stuff. They they didn't build so much on that momentum of here's where the show is headed into uh, season forty nine as much as the uh, Quinta Brunton episode Quinta Brunson episode did. And um, I'm, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and I'm disappointed we didn't we could have gotten that closure of uh you know you know SNL with a clear direction just getting over the hump of this being a semi rebuilding year. And um, we we could have seen that with maybe not if Pete Davidson hosted, but we could have seen some of that um, if Kieran Culkin hosted. We could have really seen that with um, Jennifer Coolidge hosting, and I'm sure all three of those people host um, in the fall or as soon as they do resu- um, uh, resume the strike, that, whenever that ends. Um, yeah, I'm just. Um, I'm a little bit bummed we didn't get that closure of, um, you know, a, a confident SNL knowing where it's headed into the next season that we could have got with a real season finale. But I'm sure all the, the newer people especially will get their shot once they um, – we, we know there's going to be a season 49 and season 50 when the strike's over. And just then, you know, newer people will get their shot to make their mark. And, uh, yeah, I just uh, – I'm really excited to see where that goes. That makes a lot of sense. Well, you know, thank you for filling us in on all your thoughts on the episode since the last time we spoke to you. So Casey, we have one more question left from our question list that we got this week. And that comes in from your friend and mine. It's Blood Meridian. And this wouldn't be <laughs> this wouldn't be a patient feedback show if I didn't read a long ass question from our friend Blood. So I'm going to read it out. And I want to get both yours and Haynes's thoughts on this one. Okay, so 
This is from Blood. Blood says, as season 48 was moving ahead during its now known to be last two runs, it felt to me, this is to Blood, uh, that the show leaned even more on, more than before, on certain cast members as comfort food for the audience. And besides some of the material in the Kinta episode, the season and by extension the show felt more safe than ever especially compared to how fascinating and experimental it was, even with the misses during the first few months of its run. What do you think made the show lean into said select cast members and more breaking to go viral attempts instead of what it was trying to do earlier in the season? The presentation of a wide variety of styles of humor and seeing if they succeed or not. So, and then he says, and finally, what are your hopes for 49, especially if there are any potentially departing cast members? Thanks, as always, for your terrific work and a great run of shows this season and keep it up. Well, thank you, Blood. So to summarize, I think Blood feels that near the end of the season, they got away from some more experimental things they were doing at the beginning of the season and instead leaned on the same performers over and over again. So, Haynes, do you agree with the sentiment? And what do you think about that perspective? Um, I am always super pro experimentation. Um, I, I like, I like risk taking and maybe we did see a little bit more of that at the beginning of the season. I don't know that there was a conscious effort to change the tenor of the show in that way. Um, kind of going back to, I made a comment earlier about the ebbs and flows of the show. I, I think, and there's so much that you know, every week is completely individual, you know, as far as, you know, what sketches get on and, and who, you know, what actors are highlighted. I, I don't think that necessarily someone, you know, sat in an office and said, you know, Lauren and Higgins go, all right, you know, we know the writer's strike is going to happen. Let's make sure we have some really solid shows down the stretch and we'll keep it safe and play defense. Um, to make that happen. I don't know that that for sure happened. Um, it sounds like Blood Meridian thinks that maybe maybe that was the case. Um, I don't know that that was the case, but I'll tell you this. If the Quinta Brunson episode is safe, then give me safe all day. I mean, the ep- it, was, it was that good, you know? Um, but as far as, no, but no, I don't, I don't want safety to become a crutch. Um, if that's kind of, at the core of what we're really talking about here, then no, I don't want that to be the case at all. I mean, I like the weird stuff. I like the 10 to ones. I like taking risks. Um, and that is how the show evolves. And to go back to our little, you know, debate earlier, I, I do believe in the evolution of the show. I just don't want the show. There's a difference between growing and evolving and being like a poser, you know, and then just like one day being like, oh, I'm going to switch and do, you know, try and do something different too. Right. Okay. Well, Casey, let me get your thoughts on what Blood said. Well, uh, first of all, it's good to hear from Blood again. Um, me and Blood were growing a bit close, but then Blood had to take a um, uh, a break from social media for their, their mental health. So I should probably email Blood just to just well, to all, all but, the best Blood. Uh, yeah. Yes, of course. Yeah. We're yes, uh, we're pulling for your blood. But anyway. I really, I immediately knew what uh, Blood was getting at when uh, Blood mentioned breaking, and I immediately flashed on uh, Lisa from Temecula because that was a viral moment that had a lot of seemingly manufactured breaking between Ego and Bowen, and um, 
yeah, I think, like I said, um, I think the show just um, is in a place similar to the to where they were about ten years ago in 2012, 2013, 2014, where they see themselves as being as in this rebuilding year because um, uh, a lot of longtime veterans left ten years ago was Bill Hader, Jason Sudeikis, Fred Arms, and Seth Meyers. Now it's um, yeah, Kate McKinnon, Pete Davidson, A.D. Bryant, uh, Melissa V. Senor, uh, Chris Red, uh, Kyle Moody. See, that's how bloated the cast is. There's like a class of veterans and sub-veterans who were both departing at the same time. So I think they're just, um, and because of that, the show figured, I, I, they're doing this again like they did 10 years ago too. They're leaning on the next um the next most senior cast and just giving them to the room to become, you know, the, the veterans that people are going to grow to love and hate to see leave 10 years from now, uh, because they're just familiar faces, their humors, you know, more accessible. Um, they speak to SNL having a more diverse audience now. Um, and, Last time, that was this departing cast, Cecily Strong, Kate McKinnon, Nate Bryant. And this time, it's just Bowen Yang, Ego Wodum, uh, Chloe Fineman. Um, and yeah, those are, the, those are the comfort food for people who want them and Keenan, Mikey. Uh, the comfort food for people who want you know familiar faces. Uh, now, the, the familiar faces they love the most are gone. So they're getting room to be veterans and um they're kind of still figuring out among people like uh sarah sherman and jj and this is new hires who's gonna who they can lean on who is the safest who's gonna be the safest to lean on uh god knows how many years from now uh because yeah let's face it i mean you know jj he could be you know comfort food for people who you know older people who just look to snl for like political moral guidance and want them just want to see their takes on people like trump and biden and desantis whoever plays them um but but sarah sherman i mean she's only you know comfort food to a a very niche subset of people myself included who just don't like to challenge themselves and don't want to you know have the same diet of everything every day but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, because Casey, I think that Sarah is the one that's probably a good example of this, where they got really experimental with some of the things that Sarah was doing in the first half of the season, and then they got away from that stuff in the second half of the season. But look, I think SNL is the type of show, and they've shown this in spades over the last few decades, which is like when something is going well, they are going to continue to hit that thing into the ground. Right. So it's like when they started bringing out, you know, these outside celebrities to play politicians, well, they're going to keep doing it until it absolutely sucked. And, you know, what happens this season is like, they got experimental, they tried new things, they had fresh cast members come in. And then they sort of were like, okay, well, we feel like what's happening here is we have a good mix of newbies and veterans. Let's just like keep you know, retreading the same stuff and seeing if this can continue to work. And I think that like more likely you're going to get experimental ideas in the first half of the season because you're more inspired with the new cast members, with people coming in that way. Um, it's, it's more likely to do that. And then I think that 
people are probably genuinely tired in the second half of the season. So you're more likely to lean on what you think worked in the first half, which is why you're going to get Elisa from Temecula too, which for the record, I don't think was the worst sketch of the season. Like <laughs> I think it was fine, but it was just obviously to, to them, you know, SNL is like, wow, we have the first character that's been just blowing up and, you know, outside the show for the first time in a long time. Let's just try it all over again. And I think this is just so typical of what we do get from the show a lot, not to say it's a bad thing, but I, I just don't see it as so different from the last few seasons. Yeah. And another thing, you know, speaking of comfort food and familiar faces, the way this season ended so abruptly, I, I was going into, you know, it's the end of May. I was fully expecting to have seen big blowout goodbyes for, for Keenan, for Mikey Day, a, poss- a quieter goodbye possibly for, uh, Colin Jost and Michael Che, and the strike makes me wonder about how those departures are going to go down if they go down. Are uh, my best guess based on what happened with Cecily is Lauren is probably going to want to, um, you know, assuming the strike is resolved in time for like a normal fall premiere, he may want to keep Mike and Keenan, Jost and Che on till um, at least Christmas if not um, keeping them on just till the end of season 49 or end of season 50, because um, I agree. Yeah. Now that I think about it, that might be, you know, too, too drastic of a change for the time period that we're in and um, the possibility of what could, I mean, is SNL going to last after season 50 or is it going to leave when, is it going to die when Lauren retires? So there's there's other questions, but um, the strike has me more interested to see how the you know the cast is like the the people expected to leave who are still there. That how how's that shakeup going to be handled? So um, and and yeah, that's something I want to see next season along with just more you know closure and uh, you know a new direction. Seeing how the newer people establish themselves so they're ready to take over when people like Ego and Bone and Chloe leave. Absolutely. Well, it was so good to get your thoughts finally on the end of the season, Casey, and what we're going to look forward to next season. So always a pleasure to hear from you. Thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you, guys. And thank you, John. Thank you, Haynes. And have a great summer. And uh, hopefully we'll see you in season 49 whenever they can get that going. Absolutely. And I'm looking forward to having you on during the summer, hopefully for one of our countdown shows, if possible. So um, always great to get to chat with you. And if you haven't read Casey's blog, make sure to go and do so. It's so fantastic. Great. Thank thank you for that plug and uh, have a have a great summer and see you guys soon. Thanks, yeah, all Casey. The best, buddy. Bye. See ya. All right, Haynes, that does it for our patron feedback show with all of the patrons tonight. So, so you had a fun night? So fun. So fun. Loved it. Chatting with everyone. Um, just, you know, we get to talk with a lot of great, brilliant people on this podcast. Uh, but it's, you know, and, and I love the camaraderie that we've built. Um, and it's nice to welcome, you know, our listeners into that fold and, and have those kind of exchanges with them. It's awesome. Absolutely. Well, if you would like to become a patron and join us on the podcast, you can do so by going patreon.com slash the SNL network. We have a summer countdown series, which we are working on. So last summer, in case you missed it, we did the top 20 SNL characters as 
of all time. We asked our social media audience to vote on them and then we counted them down each week with the patrons. We're going to be doing the same thing this summer with the top impressions of all time. So whether political or celebrity pop culture, it's going to be really fun to break down the top impressions of all time. We will have the announcements week by week as to what the results are and we'll have patrons joining us throughout the summer so that will be a fun summer series we also have plenty of other shows planned for the summer including more point counterpoint more snl stories other interviews some fun super fan takeovers coming up as well so a lot of things to happen between now and hopefully the start of 49 in the end of september so i really appreciate all the listeners you know as we're wrapping up our last podcast of season 48 i really just want to thank all of the listeners for joining us throughout these hundred and something podcasts getting together all season long. It was so much fun to do that. And especially you, Haynes, and all of the podcasters who join us on a regular basis. Thank you for your contributions to the show. Of course. Love being here. Yeah. Well, Haynes, anything you would like to plug tonight? Oh, nothing to plug. Um, Maybe when there's (laughs) SNL stuff to talk about, I'll be tweeting at at SNL has a cast. Um, But um, you know, pretty much relaxing this summer and not, um, not sweating, um, worrying about SNL too much right now. I know we're just going to get things taken care of. Everything's going to work out for the writers, um, workers of the world unite. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully a season 49, not delayed. Um, fingers crossed for that. Um, and really excited about these, um, these countdown shows coming up this summer. I mean, I've already, got like answers to all the impressions in my head i already have a top 10 list amazing well i'm looking forward to getting your thoughts on those as well so uh yeah if you want to follow us on social media facebook twitter tiktok and instagram to see everything we've got going on we'll always announce when all of our shows are uh usually we'll be here on monday nights that's going to be our summer weekly uh night that we're here for content and then of course if we end up having an extra show here or there with something that'll be another night uh during the week you can also subscribe to the podcast and turn on notifications on youtube or apple Podcasts or spotify to never miss a show there search at the saturday night network on any of those uh, platforms. You can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. I saw we got one today from a listener. So thank you so much for that as well. Those reviews help people find the show. So I really appreciate all of that. And yeah, I'm going to uh, I'm gonna head out to watch Game 7 of my Miami Heat versus the Celtics. So hopefully uh, things go well for me tonight. And I uh, also want to just plug last week with Aristotle Atari too. Just such a fun interview to get to talk to him. So uh, thanks for him joining us as well. Okay, on behalf of Andrew Haynes and all of our patrons joining us tonight, as well as our listeners in the chat, my name is John Schneider from the Saturday Night Network. And for the final time in season 48, we will see you next time, everybody. Have a good one.